Federal lapses in appropriations don't really shut down the government, but they do disrupt things. If you're not furloughed, you're forced to work, but don't get paid until the president signs an appropriations bill. How are managers supposed to handle these situations? For a few ideas, we turn to Margot Conrad, Director of Education and Outreach at the Partnership for Public Service. And Margot, I guess it's fair to say this is really a governmental problem more than a public problem because most people in the public read about it, but they don't really feel the shutdown. Well, it's a a very interesting point. I mean, I think we're going through quite a period of um, transition here and ups and downs, having a a three-day shutdown, and now we're on the verge of of another, you know, potential shutdown or another short-term continuing resolution. It's not the way to manage a government, I'll tell you that. No, it's not. But if you are a manager in the government and you don't really have any control over what Congress does and the president does, how do you manage through times like this so that you have some semblance of regular order, even in your own agency? You know, it's really tough. I mean, I think some of the things that I would highly recommend, number one, it seems so basic, but just communication. Um, You know, I've spoken with friends who work in federal agencies who have shared their own stories, you know, leading up to the shutdown or after the short shutdown, that they just didn't have a lot of information, that there wasn't a lot of communication coming from their leadership. So while the agency may have a plan in place, if employees don't know what it is, they don't know what their status is going to be, um, if there is a shutdown, that just causes a lot of uncertainty. So I can't stress enough that it's important to communicate, over-communicate what the plans are um, and what employees should be doing. Because um, a lot of the plans that were published were had some level of detail, but most of them did not get down to the level of which individuals would be furloughed and which would be required to keep working. And I think that caused a lot of uncertainty. Exactly. So then you had a lot of employees coming in to work on Monday morning who didn't really know what their status was and um, what they should be expecting. So it just makes it so difficult to be doing any kind of planning and, you know, forget long-term planning, but even just in the short term, figuring out what your priorities should be. So part of that communication from leadership does need to be, you know, what should your priorities be leading up to a potential shutdown? So what what do folks need to be doing in those days right beforehand? Um, And then when they come back to the office, what should their priorities be? Because, you know, there's more work piling up and it's not possible to to do everything. So I think just, again, communicating that and having some um, compassion and some understanding that this is definitely taking a toll on federal employees. That's really important, too. Yes. And uh, what about those people that are forced to work? They used to call them essentials. Now they call them accepted. I don't know that one. I, I, I get bemused by that one because I guess it makes some people feel better that they're to know that they're not unexceptional or something. But, <laughs> uh, you know, this is the Lake Wobegon era, so to speak. But those that are working, how do you keep them, I guess, engaged and understanding that there is someone backing them up, even though if they call the agency from the field, they might not get an answer? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really tough on the folks that do have to, to work because, you know, often there's a, a thin bench there. You don't have a lot of employees in the office and they're asked to take on additional responsibilities. So again, the prioritization is important, helping them sort of triage what is most essential that needs to get done. Just thanking them. I mean, I think that goes a really long way. You know, there's it's it's bound to um, impact their morale. They're going to be, you know, pretty exhausted. Um, and just feeling the support of the leaders around them is really important. We're speaking with Margot Conrad, Director of Education and Outreach at the Partnership for Public Service.
Are there specific things that managers can do to reward people? Like, I don't know, is there office kitty fun that they can bring in square pizzas or something? <laughs> well, I mean, I think you, you raise a good point. I mean, there's all different types of recognition that you can provide for your employees. I mean, there's formal recognition programs, but, you know, I would argue just the small the small thank yous really go a long way. And I don't think, um, you know, there's there's it doesn't necessarily require money or even doing anything on a large scale. I think just taking the time to recognize what people are doing, that they know that this is a really difficult time, that it's, you know, causing a lot of uncertainty um, and that they're expending, you know, more of their own efforts. Um, I think it just goes a long way. All right. So communication and uh, thanks are important human relations types of things. Are there specific techniques or strategies managers should use to make sure that the long-term situation stays the same? I'm, I guess I'm wondering, do you think this has any effect on federal recruitment and hiring, these kinds of cycles? Certainly. So it's actually very interesting to bring that up. So just last week, um, we released the best places to work in the federal government rankings here at the Partnership for Public Service. And I think one of the things that's really unique, you know, these are based on um, federal employees' responses to OPM's Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, and they give a real snapshot into you know, employee engagement and culture in, within the different organizations. And I think there's a lot that agencies can be doing to highlight both their missions and also, you know, the elements of their culture that really make them stand out as the best place to work. So, for example, I'll mention the the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission. They just came out with a website that specifically focused on the fact that they are a best place to work. They're number five for mid-sized agencies. And on their page, they have all sorts of information. They have a message from their chairman. They have um, stories, little videos from employees themselves talking about the work they do and their mission. Um, and so it's it's quite compelling, and I think that that's a perfect example of what, you know, during these really uncertain times, agencies can be doing to help educate the public and potential potential job seekers, too. And I would say maybe also accentuating the positive. Maybe it was because of the State of the Union coming or it really happened at this point. But I just saw a small example at the EPA, which has had its issues with morale and arguments over public policy within the agency. But they just reached a agreement after 12 years of negotiation in one of their Superfund sites in Montana. And this place has been a pollution site officially on the list since 1983. And they finally got the final stage of it agreed to with the parties involved. The old Arco company, now part of BP, would do the main cleanup and the local tribal state authorities. I think bringing that out, which they did at their website, may be a good reminder to people that, yeah, we do get things done once in a while. And sometimes even after a long, seemingly a tedious and fruitless effort, it actually did bear fruit. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, government agencies themselves just need to be telling those stories, the stories of, you know, where they've really been able to achieve great success on behalf of the American people, helping, you know, the average individual understand, you know, what government means to them, what government does for them. Um, so despite the fact that there's, you know, all of this uncertainty right now, I think this is actually an opportunity for agencies to sort of leverage this time and really help people and the American public understand what government does. Because they're not going to hear it from the political leadership. I know Mick Mulvaney, the director of the Office of Management and Budget, was pretty outspoken against the idea of the shutdown and seemed generally, genuinely perturbed about it. Uh, and so did both members of uh, members from both sides of the aisle in the Senate were decrying it. But you could look at all of these people and say, well, 
you all hate it, yet you all let it happen. Absolutely. And so unfortunately, there is going to be continued dysfunction here. And we're hoping that there will be some type of agreement because living short-term resolution to short-term continuing resolution does not does not work and is not an effective way um, to manage government. So we're certainly hopeful we'll have a more permanent solution. And in the meantime, just encourage agencies to use social media, to use their web presence, to really just do the best to share with the American pu- public you know, what they do and, and, and why government matters. Marco Conrad is Director of Education and Outreach at the Partnership for Public Service. As always, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Find this interview at federalnewsradio.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to all of our interviews at iTunes or Podcast One.